Hello and welcome to the Liverpool Way podcast. The dust is settling on a 4-3 thriller at Anfield in which four sensational strikes were required to see off a resolute Fulham side who led the game with just three minutes left on the clock after twice falling behind. A Trent free kick rebounded off the keeper to open the scoring before Alexis McAllister opened his Liverpool account with one of the best goals Anfield has seen in a generation. Endo proved his worth to bring the Reds level at 3-3 with a brilliant curled strike before Trent sealed the deal at the cop end just a minute later. I'm Chris Smith, and to go over a thrilling afternoon, I'm joined by TLW editor Dave Usher, Paul Natton, and Dan Corleone himself, Dan Thomas. Mm. All four of us, all four of us, were at the game today. Paul, well, we've had worse weekends, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, we have, mate. Yeah, I tell you what, though, it nearly wasn't, was it? The perfect weekend. It was nearly killed right at the death. We, because, yeah. um, because I suppose what everyone won't know is we had our, uh, we had our big, our big, our big. Night out last night, and we were all buzzing after that. Go and see the Coral gig, and um, and uh, just had a fucking fantastic time there. Got really well looked after by uh, by James Skelly, which was fantastic of him to um, to, to look after us all. And, and we had a wonderful time, great night, loads of bevies, nice bite to eat. And I was going into today thinking, yes, because I actually, bizarrely, I had a night out on Friday as well, went to another gig on Friday night. So today, I was having the weekend to end all weekends. And then I find myself sitting at Anfield, having had a conversation before we go in that like we could really like fill our boots against these. And we're getting beat 3-2 and fucking freezing and the atmosphere is shit. And I'm thinking, this is absolutely disastrous. And then, as we know, it went completely the opposite way and the roof came off. It was fucking great at the end. Perfect, perfect ending, really, to a great weekend, I thought. thought it was absolutely superb way to round things off because it went right off when... when uh, when Trent's winner went in, it was it was it was sensational. It was great, great feeling, really great feeling. So, yeah, from uh, from the jewels of defeat, victory was snatched. Fantastic, great way to end a fucking great weekend. Don't don't you agree? Don't you think the same? Didn't you feel like it was all being taken away from us after a great weekend? <laughs> I absolutely did. Yeah, one hundred percent. But I guess all's well that ends well, and the struggle to get there in the end makes it even better now. I think so. Um, yeah, absolutely great, um, Dave. Which was your favourite of the four goals? I don't, I can't remember the last time I saw four goals of that quality in the same game before. Um, all for different reasons. I mean, the best goal was McAllister's. Um, favourite is going to be the you know the winner. Got a, a, a real special place in my heart for Enzo's goal. Yeah. Just like so pleased for him. Uh, and like the first one, I it's a little bit of it, it's gone down as an own goal, hasn't it? Because it's hit the keeper, it's hit the bar, at the keeper and gone in. Yeah, that's so bollocks. Trent's not not getting it. Like so, yeah, um, it's a shame. Would have been nice for Trent to get the two goals, but uh, yeah, just spectacular goals, weren't they? Um, as I say, best goals McAllister, but the, the Trent one at the end was like the, the place just went mental, didn't it? Just brilliant. Yeah. Did you see? Great. Did you see what Darwin did on that goal? No, no, no. Everyone's like running off, and Darwin was just like kind of not knowing what to do, and then he just turned and he just ran to the bench. <laughs> he just went charging over, and he's hugging like uh, Sobers lie and Klopp, 
while everyone else is like celebrating with Trent in the corner. <laughs> so, and I'm like, he's just fucking mad, isn't he? What's he doing? And then he goes after he's finished hugging Klopp. Then he went running over to to everybody else. Then, but uh, Trent apparently said afterwards, like that Virgil's like cut his knee. Doing an knee slide, like copying, because Trent done an knee slide and Ver just like copied him or something. And no, Trent didn't do an knee slide. Trent just like slid on his on his chest, didn't he? Yeah, well, Virgil he like got carried one. away and done an knee slide, which apparently is not his thing. He doesn't like doing it, but he just got caught up in the moment and he's he's cut <laughs> his knee. Yeah, so it was. It was just bedlam, wasn't it? It was yeah. fucking great. I fucking love it when that happens. Do you know we haven't had many of them, have we, this season? And it was. Do you know what? It also, I think helps. You know, as, as you know, when it's just getting a bit darker, you know, it wasn't quite dark, yeah. but like it was just, you know, the, it, it was just starting to close in a little bit and, and like the stadium was just feeling a little bit more claustrophobic and then just the atmosphere just went up because the atmosphere was shit, wasn't it? Oh, up, until, yeah. up until that equaliser or just before the equaliser. We all got a bit knocked just before the equaliser and then it just went, it, it, it went off. It was great. It was so cold though that I think everyone in there was just freezing and that's why the atmosphere was the way it was I'm sure that that's what it was but like the, the last five minutes it, it did it was it really just uh, picked right up didn't it but I, I'm not lying right I said to John right, when like I, we're losing it's like we're 3-2 um, we're down and there's like five minutes left or whatever and I actually said to John I said like we'll still win this you know and it was just before we had the corner, I remember like and Virgil had that chance, he's like and he put it over the bar from like a couple of yards out. This was just before yeah. that. And and John's like, I'm not seeing anything to make me think like that we can win this. But if that if that one goes in, I knew like if we just get one, then we'll get the second. But you've you've got to get like the first one. And then just after that we get the Enzo goal. And then John just turned to me then he went, yeah, we'll win this now. You just knew, didn't you? Once, once we got level, you knew, yeah. oh, okay, the, yeah. this is like, it's going to yeah. be our Villa away moment, you know, like maybe for this season. Oh, it's funny you say that. I was thinking about that during the game as well. Also, at that, that point you were talking about where you thought we could do this here, I was thinking to myself at almost exactly the same point, yeah, it's possible, but we're not going to fucking do it because my fucking great weekend's getting ruined. Yeah. <laughs> but then it went the other way. It was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Dan, what, what Still buzzing about it, to be honest. It feels fucking great. That's a great oh, yeah. fucking win. A brilliant weekend, yeah. And then the City result as well. Yeah. That just caps it off, doesn't it? Yeah. Dan, what, what did you make of it today? Well, I nearly ended up in the lower Kenny when the, the, the fourth goal went in. Um, Which isn't good because you're in the upper Kenny. <laughs> exactly, exactly that, yeah. And it's um, not good for anyone underneath either. Well, yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been um, a good idea to do a macho man Randy Savage impression. <laughs> Ooh, yeah! Uh, but I felt, I, I felt like doing one because um, that was some turnaround that today. Um, as you completely agree with what you've all said, the atmosphere was flat um, and we just pop up and and score out the winner out of nowhere. I agree with what John said, although John's not on the podcast, but I still agree with what he said about um, when Endo scored, I was like, right, okay, you know, like, I, I think we're going to win now. You knew there was going to yeah. be lots of injury time because Bern Leno, at the, at the, there was nine minutes in the first half, seven in the, the second, and I think Bern Leno was responsible for every single minute of injury time in the game. Um, <laughs> so, it, like, it, it, it's it's on him that the, the game went so long. Um, oh yeah, yeah. It's it's what football's about, isn't it? I would have preferred a nice, comfortable three 0 win, where we don't really have too much to talk about. We've been perfunctory and done our jobs. However, we've done it the hard way. 
it's going to be a, a rough ride for a few players in, on this podcast, I think, tonight, uh, irrespective of the win. But, yeah, that's what football's about. Those are the moments that you live for, that you go to the game for. That, that winner from Trent was just... <laughs> it, it went off. And it doesn't go off very often in the Upper Kenny, to be honest. Um, it, it is quite a reserved stand, shall we say. But yeah, it was uh, an excellent moment for a very, very uh, challenging game. <laughs> that just reminds us what's that an impression of. I don't even know <laughs> what that was. <laughs> it's gone miles away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's time to retire that, to be honest. No, um, no just, don't keep yeah, it going. Yeah, it makes yeah. me laugh. I just want to know what it was. Yeah. Yeah. It, was it, it was meant to be um, sending my boys around kind of territory, but... Yeah, no. What what? I, that's what football's about. Afternoons like this, where yeah, you, yeah. you come from nowhere, you come off the rails, and Fulham will be gutted because they played very, very well. I said to, to some of you boys before the game, didn't I, that if we weren't on it, Fulham can. You did, we'll, mate. We'll, yeah, you did. We'll I wasn't points. having it. I wasn't having it at all, Dan. But no, you were right. And they, they played mean, well above what I thought they could do. So fair play to yeah, Fulham. The, they deserve a lot of credit well, for the well coached. Really well coached, I think. The movements and the, the movements on, um, on on the ball, um, uh, you know, when they're attacking, I think is really good. I think we saw that, and yeah. well, certainly a couple of their goals, well, all three of their goals. Actually, I liked I how brave they were as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like they, yeah. they they sucked up the pressure, and then when they when they got it back, they attacked in numbers. They got men forward all the time, didn't they? And then a and lot they of overloads as well. Really they? fruitful for them. Yeah. So. But them's the breaks, I guess. You guys said that, um, you know, you, you thought we would win after we got back to 3-3. And I did too, but I just didn't expect the next goal to come like 80 seconds later. Yeah. I think yeah. that just kind of like tr- contributed to the to the bedlam of everything. It was just like, oh my fucking God, yeah. now we, we've got a chance to win it and now we're, we're going to win it. It was awesome. Do you know, but, um, on the, yeah. you know, you said it was like it happened really quick. It was like 80 seconds or yeah. whatever. But did you notice when when we kicked off after like the, the equaliser, Trent just did that like mad sprint, just chased after Tim Ream, mm-hmm. and he almost won the ball. Tim Ream, he was trying to block the clearance, and Tim Ream was quite clever and didn't didn't clear it because Trent was on him. But it was like as soon as we got that equaliser, Trent just well into, went into like full Steven Gerrard mode where he was like, "I'm winning this game here. You know this. We we are gonna win this game. I'm gonna make sure of it." And yeah. then he pops up and he gets to win it. But he did just take take that on his, like he just put the team on his back there at the end, and he was like, "I'm gonna win this game for us." Now that's not something that like Trent's normally doing, like probably because the position that he's playing in, where it was like different today. It was like, okay, he's been moved into midfield, and he he can he can go wherever he wants, and you know just make things happen and. That's like you know that's what happens, and that's kind of the first time that that's really happened, isn't it? Where like that's yeah. a good good shout that day. Pop's just gone okay, you know, yeah. I'm letting you loose. You got you're in midfield. Joe Gomez is on. You're in midfield. Go go and win it for us. Go and make something happen. As soon as you said that, that that had not occurred to me to be honest. What you're saying there about you know the Gerald comparison, you know putting the team on his back and that. But as mm. soon as you said it, that completely resonated. It was exactly like that. It was. It was like he just. Decided, he just decided we're not, we're not getting, we're not losing this, we're not drawing this, and we're we're going for it. We're taking all three points. I mean, because the other thing to, as well, I think, is that you know, for that for them to come to Anfield and to score three, and to and to get away to you know to leave with nothing to show for it, like that's pretty pretty fucking rare. That yeah, 
Um, and uh, yeah, it, it, it was down to Trent, wasn't it? If it wasn't for him, that wasn't happening. Mm. Fulham, though, they've got to be looking at that and going, you know, we've scored three goals and pretty much every goal we've conceded has been just like a worldy. It's like, how unlucky yeah. are Fulham today, really? Yeah. You know, these are shots that on another day they're not they're not going anywhere near the net, and then they've, everything like that we've hit at them like it's just, it ends up just going in. Three well, of the four. We did the top create right some corner. much mm-hmm. better. We did create some much better chances yeah, than the goals we scored, and yeah. we squandered quite badly oh, in, a, in a number of cases. We'll get to yeah. that later. Um, um, yeah, let's get to that later. <laughs> but yeah, I think I mean Fulham scored three away, but it's just a, we're not quite as explosive. If, from an attacking sense as we were in some of the other club seasons uh, with the red arrows and stuff but our goals per game average is like up so far this season like John Brennan sent me some stats before and in 18-19 we scored 2.16 I think he's written there 2.16 goals a game in 1920 2.09 a game and in 21-22 it was 2.33 and this so far this season it's 2.52 a game, and I think we're on pace to play, like, we can play a minimum of 50 games now, he reckons, and that, extrapolated out, that would be, like, 126 goals if we if we kept going at that rate. So, you know, obviously you don't want to con- be conceding three goals at home, but our firepower is such that we can still walk away with a win, even though any of, none of our strikers scored today. It's just, you know, incredible scoring power that we've got going on at the now, moment, Dan. Y- you are right as well that it doesn't, we don't feel like we've really exploded as an attacking team, do we? I mean, you know, there's things that I look at in terms of how we play today. And some, uh, there's so, so much it was kind of like eye of a needle stuff, you know, and over-elaborating in the uh, in the opposition penalty area. Um, and there's times when I just want to, just screaming out for us to be more direct. You know, I still keep saying, I still keep looking at, we've got Darwin playing through the middle. We don't look for the ball over the top enough for Darwin because he's always he's always looking for it he's always trying to play on the shoulder at the centre half and we don't look for it enough we don't play enough of those balls in behind it's it's kind of like I don't know it's counterintuitive though because it's clearly working as you've just said you know it's kind of like you're watching it and you're thinking tempo's not great not really moving it fast enough um, we're not working great opportunities and then you know suddenly you'll turn round and then there's like two three four great goals all gone in it's really weird I'm finding just in general this season thing I'm finding I'm struggling with is to really understand exactly how it's working and why it's working to see the patterns of play and to fully understand them and to and to look at actually tactically what's going on it's it I, I I don't feel like any of it is cemented in my head properly at the moment I know what we're trying to do sometimes there's other times where where I don't um, it's it's all a bit it's all a bit bewildering I think sometimes and you know today I think was a case in point because if you were to take those four goals out of our performance today, each one of them was like really you know something special to celebrate. There was something really good about each one of those four goals, but much of the rest of what we did was really flat, don't you think? Mm-hmm. There was a, there was yeah. a couple of opportunities you know there was a, well, as you said Chris we'll get to them, but there weren't there weren't too many moments where you're like edge of your seat and excited. Or I wasn't anyway. Um, and yet we, and yet you know, count, you know, contrary to contrary to that, we scored four absolute worldies. Bizarre. I just, I, I'm just a bit, still a little bit flummoxed. And I suppose I keep telling myself that it's a developmental team. It's new players. They're still finding their feet. And I guess we definitely saw that with various examples of individual form fluctuating all over the place today. 
So I think maybe mm. just have to put it down to the fact that it's all still very new and that remarkably we're, we're punching well above expectations for this this stage in, a, in the sort of evolution of the team. Yeah. Dan, um, Paul kind of brought on what I was going to mention to you next, really, in, in terms of just like the moments of brilliance aside, the first half performance was incredibly flat. I think the long injury delay for the goalkeeper didn't help at all. Obviously, the weather didn't help at all with the atmosphere as well. And Fulham were able to sort of take the sting out of it a lot of the time. I think a lot of the stuff we were trying to do, it just felt like a little bit bits and pieces and we weren't really able to string any rhythm together. Uh, what did you attribute that to? Well, I was starting to lose my temper in the first half, to be honest. We get in front, which is the hardest part in, in most Premier League games when teams come to try and contain Liverpool, which by Fulham were no different. You know, They, they had a plan, they stuck to it and they, they tried to contain us. We get in front and then we concede an awful goal and I thought the lack of respect for possession today was really, really jarring because Jürgen's teams are respect the ball, keep hold of the ball, and we give it away so many times. Like Mo, Mo Salah's got to go to, towards the ball, he doesn't, and then Fulham are on the attack, and then they score. And I think um, I think Cueve, because I don't want to risk mispronouncing his full name. Uh, I think I think Kelleher. Um, We'll look back on today with not fond memories. In fact, it reminded me of that episode of Father Ted where um, Ted's controlling <coughs> a wheelchair with fake hands. because <laughs> Those know, are uh, fake hands. Ex- exactly <laughs> that. Yeah, it, it just felt like that, that sums up Kelleher's performance. Um, and I'm not just blaming him because I, 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 really, I think it was one of more Salah's worst games. I thought he was absolutely wretched. Um, you know, there were individual performances all over the place today where you can point finger. Graven Burke was another one who I thought was particularly poor. Second he half. was When Sobersly went off, I actually thought he was growing into the game. He so do I. And, yeah. and I, I didn't think it was the right move to take him off, but mm. he, he did, and, and whatever will be, will be. I'm sure we'll come on to those substitutions as well because they actually managed to make us worse, <laughs> I thought. Um, but yeah, what would I attribute it to? It shouldn't be tired legs, Chris, because we beat Lask on Thursday in second gear at the very most. So I just think there was... I I, I don't know. I, I, I just think we took our eye off the ball, basically. We're entitled to an off day. We, we've not had very many of them this season. Our levels have been quite high. Um, but we can point at individual mistakes. And as, as I'm sure you'll you'll let me have a, a good say on Kelleher at some point on this podcast because um, he did not have a good game. And like the, the, the manner of the, all of the goals we conceded, in fact, each goal, we scored four worldies. And I think the, the, the three we conceded were as bad an equal measure you know, in, in the, the other other end of the scale, um, but yeah, and I, I think we've already given for them some praise, and we'll give them some more. They frustrated us. They took the sting out of the game. Um, they played about as well as they can play at Anfield. I would suggest so that that made our life hard, and um, we were not on it, and we will need to significantly up our game considering we have 
United at home, I know they're not very good, but it's a derby all the same. We've got Arsenal at home, we've got Newcastle at home, and I'm overlooking away games at Sheffield United and Crystal Palace there as well. Our level will need to go up if we want to, to have a successful Christmas period, because believe you and me, we are in a title race. We've proven that today. Because if, if we weren't in the title race, we drop points today, and Man City get a, that breakaway goal when Grealish was blown back for little to no reason. We are in a title race, boys. Yep. And nobody really saw it coming. I mean, I don't want to go too deep on Fulham yet, but they had some thought they had some really good individual performances all over the park. You could see why there was a lot of clubs interested in uh, Paulinho. I thought he was r- really excellent. And uh, William, when he came on, was fucking ace as well. Like, what an underrated me, player yeah. that guy is. Yeah, he's just been such an underrated player almost throughout his career. And that's another one with us that sort of slipped away weren't we were we trying to sign him when he went to Chelsea we were like super into him weren't we yeah yeah and then there was some that's what Chelsea are getting charged over or they're getting investigated is that transfer because we were interested and then we missed out he was going to Tottenham and then right at the the point when he was signing for Tottenham Chelsea came in and got him but that's that's the transfer that like the uh, the investigations surrounding isn't it there was something dodgy went on allegedly Yeah, so but yeah, he's a he's a top player. Do you know what I really like about him? Is so many like players of his age who've they've moved like down a level to to like from you know you go from winning stuff at Chelsea and then he went abroad, didn't he? And then he's come back playing for Fulham, and you're like, he's still as hungry as he ever was, and it's yeah. kind of an exception. There's like not too many players, you know, like Brazilian players who are like. They've played at like a, you know a really good level for a top team, and they just would be like kind of winding down a bit. And he's still mm-hmm. just going for it every time he plays. And his work rate is just fantastic. Um, the yeah. way he just glides with the ball as well. He just looks so yeah. classy on the ball. No, I've got a lot of respect for for Willian. Yeah, really, really top player, top pro. Good stuff. Well, get, getting back to us now, we do we do concede the lead. Uh, Harry Wilson gets a goal. Very nice of him not to celebrate. I thought he had a he, he was really effective in the first half. Jack and Jill celebrated because and... <laughs> he's like he's waited so long for like a Harry Wilson goal in front of the cop. <laughs> he finally got it tonight. His Welsh nice. boy. Yeah. yeah. But um, you know, they get back to one-one. I didn't think we got tight to them at all. Like we were sort of. A little bit, a little bit slow in getting to our men and, and paid for it, and you know I don't think any of us really think that the, the goalkeeper made the best fist of it. I'm not sure if we can count it as an error, but I think Allison saves it, and that's the benchmark. So it's just I guess it's just about noticing the drop off. But you know they hadn't really done anything up until that point. They grew into the game a lot, but we do get back in front. And um, Dave, it's just I can't remember. There aren't many goals I can remember. Seen at Anfield down the years that are as good as that one that we saw from McAllister today. Yeah, well, I'm right behind it, aren't I? Like from from my position. Yeah. And as like the ball bounces and he's moving towards it, and you can see he's, he's thinking like, "I'm going to have a go." And I was like, just looking at it, going, "I oh, don't shoot." I just thought, no, it's too hard to score from there. But he fancied it because like the way it bounced and it sat up. Uh, but now that's like that's an incredible strike. They're absolutely sensational. I didn't realise that was his first goal for some reason. I thought he'd scored before, but that was his that was his first goal. So yeah. nice way to get off the mark. 
I thought he played well. Can you actually, remember? Did, yeah, you see, did, well. did you see that mad bit in the first half when like the, um, the ball got played through to Awobi and you're like, oh shit. And McAllister just fucking burns yes. him off. Right. I was like, yeah, how slow must Awobi be? Because he just got <laughs> like McAllister looked like Kyle Walker just like chasing back and you know from, from the right back position. <laughs> yeah, he did. Giving someone like a five yard start and then just blowing them away. I was like, what? And he did blow him away. He got he like did? He, he just went right past him. It wasn't like he was shoulder to shoulder. He just burst past him. It was weird. It was. I, I just thought Awobi must be really slow. Yeah, I thought I thought he played. I thought Maka, Maka was really good. I thought he um, played well. Yeah. Uh, the, Stu said something in the in the in the uh, group chat because now now the Wi-Fi suddenly got loads loads better at Anfield. Um, you can uh, you can actually get a signal from your seat um, the last couple of games. So at half time, I'm just putting a couple of comments in there about you know Dom and Gravenberch. I thought they were both off it, but, but Stu said he thought he thought Maka wasn't good either. But I thought he was. I thought he was sound. I thought he was really good. I thought he was using the ball well. I thought he was intelligent in his positioning as well. I, I was. Um, I mean, I, and I don't think I'm just kind of like glossing over stuff because of the because of the goal. I just thought he, he thought he was playing well. He looked yeah, confident and he looked on it. That's how I and felt got, as well. We've got McAllister to thank as well. Like it's been a. This has been obviously our favourite McAllister weekend. He dished the dirt on the Darwin and Pep. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, 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 amazing, amazing. <laughs> Remind us, Dave. Go on, give us the full story. I'll actually, I, I've got the page open on here. Let me have a look. I've, I've kept it open because I knew we'd get to this at some point. Yeah, so McAllister got asked about it by an Argentinian journalist, and um, he said, "Like, uh, right, here we go." He said, I don't know if I should tell it, but I'm going to tell you. Uh, <laughs> basically, they had a situation. <laughs> I don't know if it was a corner or a cross that Haaland headed and the ball went past the goal next to the post. Pep turned around and started saying how lucky we are or something like that. Then it goes to the last bit of play. The ball's crossed into the middle and Lucho Diaz wants to head it and they save it. So then Darwin tells Guardiola, ah, now you are the ones who are lucky. From there, everything went to shit. <laughs> but it was very calm, nothing serious. <laughs> um, and then he just went, uh, some comment that Pep made, Darwin responded to it, but it wasn't anything out of this world. And that's why I was laughing too. If I see how serious it is, obviously I wouldn't laugh in that way. Uh, but nothing made me laugh a little like how Darwin got angry so quickly. <laughs> Uh, apart from that at the beginning Pep thought he was doing everything like a joke and of course Darwin was with him and then it transformed his face a little then um, it was kind of funny the whole situation but those are things that stay there well not really because you're telling an Argentinian journalist about it so <laughs> it's not a case of like what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas is it um, and then he said I think they both respect each other a lot and nothing was wrong at that moment now it it's blatantly obvious what's happened there is like he's been doing his weird little eccentric pep being all like weird which people just shrug it off and go oh it's just him and Darwin's like sitting there just going the fuck are you talking to you tit <laughs> and he's like you can imagine him he's sitting there steaming about it and then we have like the the chance at the end and then he's probably started shouting because when I said last time but like Klopp knew something was going to happen there he was prepared for it so he must have been shouting at him from the bench as well but yeah so at least we know now what it was and I think we can say Darwin's completely justified in, in that like his reaction's not yeah. over the top it's justified I'd say 
Totally sums Guardiola up though, doesn't it? Like you were saying, like he, he thinks he's being funny, but he's so fucking weird yeah. that it comes across as snide. Um, thing is though, he's probably not even trying to be funny. He is being snide, and he's just trying to he's trying to cover his tracks. With the handshake last snake. year as well, that's got to be in people's yeah. minds when he was like shaking yeah. that Arthur's yeah. hand and um, trying to shake Costas's hand after they'd scored. So that's probably like Darwin's probably thinking about that as well, thinking who's this fucking knobhead. And he paints that big fucking shit-eating grin on his face while his mm. eyes look dead. You know what I mean? He's not laughing in his eyes. He's just It's like its like he's mocking. He's a prick. Absolute yeah. prick. Fuck him. Nice one, Darwin. Yeah. Don't take no shit. And nice one, Macca, for just nice fucking telling answers. everybody. Yeah, because we've waited right. long enough. At least we yeah. know now. <laughs> yeah. You can subscribe to the Liverpool Way podcast on all the major platforms, whether it's Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon or Podbean. Just search for the Liverpool Way, leave us a review and hit subscribe to automatically receive all new episodes. You can also head to liverpoolway.co.uk and grab a TLW season ticket for just £3 a month. There's tons of exclusive content, including match reports from every Liverpool game, weekly Premier League roundups, the TLW diary and access to the members only forum. Lastly, you can follow us on social media at the Liverpool Way on Twitter and at the Liverpool Way TLW on Instagram and Facebook. If like Maka would be the one, like the the woman at work that you go to if you want to know all of the like <laughs> the juicy gossip. <laughs> well, this stays between me too. and you. But <laughs> oh, I won't tell anyone. What I've heard. I won't tell anyone. But I've just got to go and talk to this journalist over here. <laughs> Ah, oh, brilliant. Um, so, Dan, can you think of uh, a Liverpool player who scored a better first goal for the club than that? Ooh, tricky one, that, Chris. Uh, possibly not. Uh, I, wasn't John Arnaviz's first goal for the club when he weaved through everyone at Goodison and picked it out the bottom corner? I can't remember. That That might be a shout. I've been, you know. Yeah, it was early in the season. Yeah, so it was. was. Yeah, and I remember Gerard's first goal against Sheffield Wednesday. He danced around two or three, didn't he, and yeah. took it around the keeper. Um, but Stan Collymore. Oh, Collymore's against Blackburn. Yeah, um, yeah it was a, a beautiful. I know it was Sheffield Wednesday. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Top top corner. I was so excited about Stan Collymore. What a disappointment. Yeah. He, he was. I was so hyped. That was one of the, the first big signings when I had started watching Liverpool that I was so happy about that. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so yeah, there, there's a couple. Uh, I would I would possibly say that they don't come anything like as close to, to McAllister. Um, he has taken a, a bit of flack this season. Um, he's definitely grown into that role. I think he's wasted mm. at six, personally. Still, but and, and you can see what happens when he gets that extra 10 15 yards further up the pitch. But I, I don't know about you, but that was just that that ball sat up, and I thought, hit that. And I, and I bet Dave, you had a, a pretty good view of that. I bet you was watching that into the corner. Um, well, yeah, because, I've already said this yeah. before, Dan. You obviously yeah. weren't paying attention. <laughs> well, <laughs> I said I'm yeah. sitting right behind it, and I was like, "Don't shoot!" <laughs> Dude, listen, we've had, we've had a we've had a we've had a heavy weekend. Were you, Dan were was, you Dan asleep, Dan? Yeah. I, I reckon Dan was uh, nodded off because I'm knackered. Like to be fair, I'm like, me too. I'm really done. I'm too old for this shit. Like with night well, out now. Well, yeah, I was. I was chauffeuring some jabronis around till three in the morning yesterday. So that is, yeah, that is true. He must be yeah. brownie. Like he means brownie. <laughs> yeah, let's just let's just blame brownies. Not on the pod. It was brownie's fault. He said, 
He said your bronies plural though. Yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, you you will have had a great view of that, Dave, as you've already stated, yeah. seemingly. Um, <laughs> seemingly. I, I, I had a pretty good view, good view of it as well, and it it, it sailed. So yeah, what a hit! He cut, cut across it perfectly. Great technique, but it was there to be hit, and. I'm glad that he did because I think there were times where we were a bit shot shy. Obviously, a 35 yard scream like that is a bit, a bit different, but there were times there where our decision making was wrong. Either we shot when we shouldn't, or we passed when we should have shot. It was just hit it, but that sat up perfect. And yeah, top corner, brilliant finish, absolutely. We've not taken place. shots on very often from outside the area, have we? No. Traditionally under Klopp, it's not something we've done. No. We look like we've had, we've started to dip our toes into those waters this season a little bit, but they've not come off as spectacular as they did today. And when, um, when you've got people who can hit the ball as well as McAllister can, as well as Sobberslice yeah. can, that, that goal Sobberslice scored yeah. against Leicester was absolutely sensational. He scored one against Villa as well with his wrong foot. So yeah. you know, like, I'd like to see our more talented players shoot from long range a bit more because sometimes I just think it's screaming up for it. We've already used the word, you know, like, needed to be a bit more direct and I think that extends to shooting sometimes as well just shoot just hit the target and it's just less predictable don't you think for the you know it makes it harder for the uh, for the opponent because it's it, it's just less predictable you don't know what's going to happen you don't know if they're going to try and play through them go out to the sides and around the back or just have a go I mean I just think all really good sides need to need to be able to vary it up and to have all those all those strings to the bow, really, and I think it's it's good to see us doing it, like and, and it coming off. As you said, Dan reminded me there about the top of slide ones, and obviously I think Darwin's it's a couple as needed. Darwin at Bournemouth, yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, it's like it, it's definitely something we need to. I'm glad to see that we're doing and that it's paying off. Because um, as you said, Dan, we've got players who've got the technique. Yeah, and it's great. I said this at the start of the season, but it's great. For when we're playing against those packed defenses and they're not and they're just sitting in, and we're trying to play through them, you know, if they know that we're gonna, if we're more inclined to be taking on shots from distance, and they're gonna try and close us down a little bit, and that opens up more space for us to, you know, do a little bit more with the ball when we on the occasions where we don't take on the shot. So just keep them guessing a little bit, I guess. Like you say, less predictable. Thought we overdid it a little bit at times in the second half, especially Gravenberg was hitting shots, and I'm like, oh no, just don't, don't be hitting that, but. It's finding the right balance. And the thing is, like, if you hit a shot from distance and it goes in, everyone's like, ah, oh, you know, what a great decision and that. But when you miss, everyone's like, fucking hell, what are you doing? Don't be shooting from there. So it's all about, like, the outcome, really, isn't it? And, you know, once we took the lead to begin with, you're thinking it's going to be, like, a, a nice routine day at the office, but we give up the lead and then we get it back and you're thinking, right, okay, now, now we're on track. Like, that was a little hiccup. We've overcome it. But in that interminable first half, uh, Paul, it just seemed to go on forever and ever and ever. And they had a few corners at the end of the, the first half and grew into it a little bit. And sure enough, we conceded another scrappy one, which is initially disallowed for offside, but it didn't look offside in real time. And it definitely wasn't when the VAR checked it. So, um, yeah, 2-2 two, two at half time, And again, not a great goal to concede. I mean, I think a couple of thoughts about that really. I mean, first of all, it feel, felt like the heart was literally going on forever with all that time that was added on. Yeah. Was it nine minutes, wasn't it? It was mm -hmm. just horrendous. And I was just labouring the point now, but it was fucking freezing. And I just wanted the half to be over. Um, I was getting just a little bit concerned about the same old, same old of overloads down our, down our, you know, down into the into the right back channel. You know, it mm -hmm. seemed like Iwobi 
Iwobi and um, the fullback Robinson. Yeah, we're we're constantly getting getting overloads two on one or sometimes just three on two. And I just thought I felt as a team, and I think you particularly see it in the was it the Wilson one? Was it their first one? Where we're just not the the rest is not shuffling over fast enough to close the spaces. It's like you know it's you know if you go back four years, three four years. The team would bust a gut to stop the ball, to stop the cross coming in, to stop um, players being able to get in behind us. And we don't seem to do that anymore. Now, I know that we've now moved away from um, what was then, uh, you know, a very, very functional midfield. And I'm pleased about that. You know, it's something I'm really, really happy about. I think we're going to see, we, we are seeing already lots of other benefits of having um, midfielders who offer much more on the front foot. Um, but I still, it's still, I still find it frustrating when, there just seems to be a kind of a, a casualness to shutting down those spaces and to, and to getting bodies over. There's times where I just think, you know, it, 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 what are they actually being told to do? It looks like they're not actually playing to instructions in, in terms of wanting to have that urgency to shut down the space and to, to prevent the cross. Um, so frustrating, really. And you just get, you know, you feel like we feel like we've seen it so many times over the last 18 months. And you're thinking, that, why is this still happening? Um but then I don't know whether it's a personnel thing. I don't because Dom wasn't playing well in that first half, and I definitely I don't know whether he's tired or something. It seems strange that he's tired at this stage, um, but he's not. I don't think he's covering the ground as much or pressing as hard as he has done this season. Um, and he that was his side, so I wonder if that was a factor. Um, but certainly, I felt both of those goals. I, I thought they were both well well worked goals by Fulham. You know, don't, not going to take anything away from them. I think there's maybe a question mark over over Queeve in terms of I think Allison might have might have prevented both of them, but I thought it was and and there were issues with us in terms of our in terms of letting them just play through us. But I I, I think my, my main takeaway really is that it was just frustrating to see those same old issues coming up again and again and again. Not that they were absolutely dominating us with that, but they were getting chances and they got two goals from it. So it's just a frustration really. And at half time. You know, that's when the fucking black cloud was descending on me, thinking weekend ruined. This is doing me, I didn't. And that was that was just going into all, wasn't it? You know, there was no, at that stage. At that stage, they hadn't taken the lead. That was unthinkable to me, really. Despite the fact that I was frustrated by by the way the scoreline was looking, I didn't really foresee us going behind again. I thought, you know, this is will Klopp will shake them up at half time, um, but it didn't quite work out that way, did it? I think we did start the second half well. We had a good spell, like five or ten minutes, and thought, yeah, okay, we're, we're going to get a goal here. And then it fizzled out. We didn't score, and it fizzled out, didn't it? Yeah. Dan, before we move on to the second half, I knew I know you wanted to have a say about Kelleher, so the floor is yours. Um, I think we're seeing a, a manifestation of a few things here. Um, I think he's low on confidence, I think he plays. He's played a few games this season, and his confidence should be higher. But when you think about it, it's only been against bums in the Europa League, and our group is chock a block full of bums. It's a very poor group, um, and uh, a Carl, he, he played in the Carling Cup, didn't he? But he's been injured as well, so he he, he might have missed some of those games. But even so, he needs to grow a presence because I, I don't. Like, like the, that, let's just go through the, the goals. The, the first one, it's come at him quickly and it, he's just kind of not been able to adjust his feet and it's hit him on his heel and, and gone through his legs. You know, it's 
it's an unfortunate one. I, I do think Alisson saves it because Alisson is the best goalkeeper in the world. His anticipation is better. Um, but I think that one is, is slightly unlucky. The, the second one is just not good enough, I'm afraid. Um, you need your goalkeeper to take command of that situation and, and it's just squirmed through and it just looks terrible when he's trying to like reach out behind him and it's gone in. It's not just his fault because collectively at one point today I actually said to the person who sits next to me when there's a set piece it's like hot, it's like under Rodgers you know like that kind of chaos when we're trying to defend set pieces it was like having Brendan Rodgers as manager again where you just expected us to concede a chance or a goal from every every corner and the goalkeeper comes into that but we didn't defend well as a, as a unit Fulham were getting in that overload which you've mentioned um, was, was particularly our our undoing, we were getting picked off far too easily. Um, we'll, we'll come to the third goal later, but while, whilst I'm on, I'm on it, you know, like, he's caught on his heels a bit there. And whilst you go and look at Costas, like, the decor of Reed's got a, a run on, on Costas, so it, it, it's a bit, a bit, a bit tricky for him to do anything about it. But Kelleher is, if you look at the, the replay of the goal, when it hits the net, Kelleher is like close to the, the middle of his goal. He's nowhere near where, where it comes in. Caught on his heels a bit. It is a good ball as well. Um, so what I'm trying to get at is Kelleher needs to do better when he's given the opportunities to play than he has. We can all, you know, I, I reckon that you could possibly play Pitaluga or someone like that against um, Union Saint-Gilois or Lask because they are of that kind of average, at best, being kind, standard um, but when you're in a Premier League game and you've got the likes of William on the field and um, I can't think of any of the Fulham goal scorers, that's rather embarrassing. But you take the point, once you're in a, a top league with players who will, will take chances, you've got to do better. And I, I think, you know, like what someone sat near me was calling for Adrian, which is really unnecessary. Oh, I bet you love that. <laughs> oh, oh, that's oh, yes. for you, Dan. <laughs> it, it, yes. Uh, the Emperor does not share that pessimistic appraisal of the situation. <laughs> but um, Kelleher, Kelleher, on a serious note, Kelleher needs to start showing his work when he plays in games like that where he has things to do. Because on, on Wednesday night, we're playing Sheffield United. Sheffield United, they're going to load they're going to stand on his toes every time there's a set piece, every time yeah. there's a corner. They are going to target him now because he'll look like a bundle of nerves. But what he right? needs to do is... Sorry, Dan. Start, it's okay, Paul. He just needs to start being more commanding, take control of his box and say, I am coming out. I am getting this ball. This is my ball. That will be a start. He'll need to do that on Wednesday. Agreed. I definitely take your point about his confidence. I thought I thought that was noticeable, particularly when you know after the second one's in, he looked like a bit of a little boy lost. I think you're being slightly harsh on his actual performance for for both of those goals. I think I think I think so the fact I. that Allison Allison probably saves them both. That's that's a that's a really that's a high bar. That right. That I think I think that's a really high yeah. bar. But I do agree. I do definitely agree that um, his confidence looked a bit a bit. I wouldn't say shot, but he looked a little bit nervy. Um, the thing for me that struck me at that point was, because I think you could read that in his body language, you know, once the ball was back out in play, is is that I, I just thought he needed somebody to turn around and give him, I, to do one of two things, either give him some words of encouragement or give him a bollocking, but, do, but say something, communicate with him to do something to get him to focus. 
you know, to pull him out of his pull him out of his own head and back into the game. You know, to pull him out of his nerves and to either think, you know, yeah, I need to I need to get myself I need to get myself right on it. I need to be I need to be thinking more positively, or to be thinking, fuck you, don't be shouting at me. I'll show you right now. One and he didn't get that. I, I thought particularly I wanted Virgil to turn around and maybe just give him some words of encouragement, but that didn't come his way. Um, I mean, I'm sure, like you know, we, uh, we've kind of almost got like a. We, we must have one of the best goalkeeping uh, goalkeeping coaching setups there is. With there's that many there, it's almost like a little sort of um, training within a training, isn't it? At, at Liverpool now, so I'm sure they'll do plenty of work with him on it, and I'm sure Alisson will probably speak to him about it as well, um, because it, he is going to play. He's got these games coming up, and he will. Uh, he, if you know, if he's the professional, we think he is. Um, he'll reflect on it afterwards. Um, I don't. So I don't think it was a disaster at all. But I think you are spot on um, with what you say about confidence, and I think that's something he's. I mean, there's no choice. He has got to address it, hasn't he? He is going to be playing next week, so he's. But he's got to. He's got to focus on that, and he's got to get his head straight. Um, and you know, hopefully he will. So yeah, I think it's yeah. being like overstated a little bit. The first goal, I think Allison saves it, but Allison is like the best keeper in the world. Callahan isn't. Sorry, Dad, but he's not. Um, so there is going to be a drop off. Like whoever you've got as your second choice, there's going to be a drop off. Like when Alison's yeah. not there, so you've got to expect that. Now, was that a mistake? No, it wasn't a mistake. It was like it was. A, it was a shot that's come at him really quick. He's not being able to react quite quick enough to save it. A little bit unlucky, but yeah, I do think Alison saves it. The second one, the second one, he's going for like the initial ball. And then a player who's like two, three yards away divert it in the other direction. So the only way he's saving that is if he isn't going for the initial ball, if he waits to see what happens. Now, maybe that's what he should have done. Maybe that's what Alisson would have done. I don't know. I don't think it's as bad as it's being made out to be. I'm not looking at that and going, that's his fault. That goal's his fault. Could he have done better? Possibly. But is it like, am I putting that goal down to him? No. I don't. I don't think it was like a glaring error. And the third one, I don't think he could do anything about. Just think like it's a. He's scrambling across the back post. He's got to cover the front post. It gets played to the back post. He's running across. Um, Costas gets out, jumps, not Costas's fault either. He's he's like standing, jump, and a player has got to run on him, um, and he scores. But I'm not putting the third goal on Kelleher. So um, yeah, I, I'm not looking at that and thinking, oh, he's had a terrible game. I just think. You've got to expect a certain level of drop-off when Allison's not there. Um, only Keller himself will know. He's going to be thinking, did I have a bad game? Should I have saved that? Well, he'll know. And I'm not necessarily thinking he's going to be thinking like that. Those goals are completely on him. But um, he's, we've, we've got to play him. Like There's obviously no doubt about that. I'd play him in that the dead rubber Europa League game as well. Um just just for his confidence, you know, just hopefully he can go and get a clean sheet and maybe make some saves. So I'd play him. I wouldn't sit him for that game. You can make an argument you don't want him to get injured or you know, but I think I'd I'd play him if it was up to me. Um and I don't think he, he looked like a bag of nerves or anything, you know, when he had the ball at his feet he was confident enough. Um so yeah, I'm not over analysing his performance today. I think we had bigger issues than than the goalkeeper, to be honest. Fair enough. I mean, it almost got worse because Fulham had the ball in the net again before half-time. That one was a lot clearer offside, but I think like after the first one was overturned, a lot of us were were quite nervous Mm -hmm. (laughs) just waiting for that, for that VAR to resolve itself. And um, yeah, that thankfully that, that one didn't count, but yeah, it was, 
it, um, it it did seem like every time they put the ball into the box, they, <laughs> they had the ball in the net. So, uh, yeah, quite worrying. Uh, but we do get to half time eventually. I think the second half started at 13 minutes past three. So it was almost like a full, the first half was almost like a full fucking hour by the time the nine minutes of injury time. Plus there were two VAR checks during the, during the, um, the injury time as well. So yeah. God, it went on forever, but and it's not the, it's not the day for that either. It was too. It's no. like so fucking cold and everybody wanted to be, get out and get back to the car or the coach or get home and get warm. Um, but, um, this, I thought the start of the second half was, um, much better and I, I really thought that we would go on Dave and um, you know get the third goal and then maybe get a fourth as well and we did have chances to to do that but then we had our own our little sort of Darwin issue again where the first one that he gets through he's played through by Mo and it couldn't be a more perfect ball it hits the underside of the bar. Some might say that's unlucky. I, I, I'm going to say that there's been too many of those that have hit the woodwork. And as the guy, and, and then Darwin turns to us and starts kind of like geeing up the crowd and stuff, which as the guy behind me so eloquently put it, said, don't talk to us, just bury it, you fucking dickhead. <laughs> and then, well, he's lucky that he the wasn't one he behind just me. After that, where he he fucking said kick. that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and then the the other one after that, where he misses his kick completely. I think that it was sat behind us, Pep Guardiola. <laughs> <laughs> the one he misses, where he misses his kick, and he's lying face down on the turf, and Mo has to go pick him up. That mischance killed us stone dead for about fifteen minutes until Fulham scored. Um, how did you? What What are your Darwin defenses? Your ever growing list of Darwin defenses. For, first for one's first one's today? unlucky. I've got absolutely right. no issue with the first one whatsoever. He's really unlucky. Well, why not just put it in the net, though? Well, he tried to when he's at the underside the bar. He's like a couple of inches away from it going in, and everyone's saying, what a finish. It's unlucky. No no problem with that. Second one, I need to see it again, because it just looked like he lost his balance as he tried to adjust himself. I don't know like how clear a chance that was. Whether it, he, I don't know. I need to see it again. It was... Um, it was deflating, no doubt about it. But I mean, if that kills the team because you missed a chance, well, what does that say about the team? You know, you should be looking at that and going, "Okay, we're creating chances. Let's keep going." So if that did have a, an, an effect on the, the other players, well, that's on them. You know, I, I thought like Darwin's overall performance was fine. He was involved in a lot of good link-up play. His touch was there. He was he was involved in stuff. He was lively. Um, just unfortunate that he didn't take that that chance that's at the bar and yeah the other one i'd need to see it again i can't really comment too much on that are we going to talk about the the hairstyle i think yes. everyone's going to be I've waiting on, on what are we saying i am as well <laughs> I, I respect the bold choice and i feel like if you've got like glorious hair like that and you just want to try different things with it I'm okay with that. You know, I never went for that look myself. It was a little bit too bold for me. <laughs> but I'm not going to judge you, you, that. I think it is a little bit too bold for Paul. <laughs> well, it's, D- Dave goes more for the Mickey Quinn, don't you, Dave? Uh, <laughs> so, someone, Space Cowboy oh, on Twitter so <laughs> called you right out know. there. I don't care. <laughs> I, I'm not taking that as an insult. Mickey Quinn was a fucking good goal scorer in his day. And that was early me. 
that was like me in the early part of my career was, was yeah. just the goal scorer, Mickey Quinn. Before just a quick I... one though, mate. In, in the photo that he's looking at, it's all stood at the Coral gig with our records that we bought afterwards. <laughs> There's no football going on. <laughs> no, but that's that's obviously what the reference was because you totally misquote me over me supposedly comparing myself to Kenny, which was not what, what I was doing at all. But that's kind of just become one I'm of those. Too similar to Kenny. <laughs> you, you reap what you sow, Dave. You reap what you sow. It's a direct quote in terms of like style of play, playing in like the same areas I'd drop deep to get the ball that's what I was referencing and you all knew that and then that somehow morphed into me saying I was as good as Kenny Dalglish but anyway <laughs> uh, alright Mickey lad I'm not, I'm not taking Mickey Quinn as an insult Mickey Quinn was a fucking good goal scorer he was just because I developed my game later on and became a more like yep. all round player but that yeah, but he's talking about the way you look not the way you play footy he wasn't he was talking about the footy like the comparing like Talk the, the whole Kenny thing I'm not misrepresenting the quote. Mind you, we'll, ask got... him, we'll ask him. He, he'll be listening, so he can tweet. Yeah, he will. He will. I told him I was going to mention it. Yeah. The uh, the other. I tell you what, though, Dave. I think Mickey Quinn's better, preferable to Longo Colin Brownie, a slightly sinister Richard Bryars. <laughs> didn't see that. <laughs> and then Bertie Bertie comes back with, if Shane Meadows directed ever decreasing circles. <laughs> so, like any listeners who don't know what we're talking about, I know, like for anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, it was like we we, we put some photos on Twitter from the Coral gig, um, and yeah, it got some nasty replies, shall we say? Last of the summer wine was another one. <laughs> <laughs> That's Boys, right. we've got to shout out James and the band again, surely. Our, our, yeah. our boy James, he's our collective boy now. He's surely, our number one fan. That's the thing. Yeah. Is like, it's mad. He's, he's probably the podcast number one fan, and like we, we were treated like fucking royalty, weren't we? He's a proper gent, an absolute gentleman. Like it was sound. Yeah, really, you know what, really yeah. good. Do you know Brilliant. what though? Do you know like? Do you know when he he listens to the podcast? In what? the morning. Oh, no. <laughs> I put the oh, podcast no, no, no. on in the morning. <laughs> listening to Dan do his impressions. <laughs> in the morning. He's not on the oh, one fan anymore. <laughs> he's going to love that, Dave. He really loved that. James, that's not what you think. I, I think that was decent, like. If you need any help with your lyrics in future, you know where to come. <laughs> Anywhere other than ten. Oh, what's this now? Now you, 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 you Kenny's not enough. Now you, now you comparing yourself to James Skelly when it comes to lyrics. Fucking hell, Dave. Uh, Have a weekend off, mate. <laughs> where were we anyway? Right, we're totally, totally sidetracked again. We were Darwin's laughing at you being looking, looking like Mickey Quinn. No, where were we before that? <laughs> that was that was the original sidetrack. Darwin's here, yeah. Darwin's here. No, Paul's not qualified yeah. to talk about this at all, so it's 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 pointless even <laughs> asking Paul's opinion. But yeah, it, as I say, if you've got like long, glorious hair like that, you're gonna do different things with it just to to experiment, see how yeah. it looks. And I, I respect the bold choice. I'm not sure we'll see it again, especially because he's not scored. Like if he just scored, like superstitions, you might go yeah, I'm doing that again. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll see. He might have something else in store for the next game. But a lot of people are mm-hmm. not happy with it. But no, I, I'm I'm fine. I think if you think I'm going to be having a go at me, boy, I'm not. Uh, respect his choice. It's a bold choice, controversial maybe. Andy Carroll actually did that at that same hairstyle at one point as well. So that's probably not the smartest move if you're trying to get rid of the whole like Andy Carroll thing. He's taking um, it back. He's taking. Yeah, it back. yeah, yeah. That's what it is. That's that's exactly what it is, yeah. 
keep an eye on I, that. I see if there's any other, any other Andy Carroll hairstyles he copies. Yeah. He's going to come out with the Kenny yeah, Powers cornrows next week, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I was getting serious Miss Trunchbull vibes. Miss Trunchbull. Oh, yeah, good show, Dan. Yeah, definitely. I'm in favour of, of any guy who's sort of bold enough to like embrace his feminine side when it comes to hair and just just to go with it. I mean, he's doing it in like a public setting. There's millions of people watching him and he had the confidence to just go out there and do it. So fair play to him. Like I'm not, I'm definitely not going to criticize that. I think it looked really nice. Mm-hmm. One thing I have to say though, is if, if that was a player from another team, I'd be fucking annihilating them for it. <laughs> but it's me boy. So I'm not going to. Joe, you know, just one thing on if Darwin. If Haaland comes running. out like that next week, I'm I'm destroying Haaland. Okay, let, let me just let me just yeah, make clear now. Haaland's got the face in the mix as well, Dave. So you can't yeah. separate one from the other. But the, the just, hair's a good distraction from the face, though. With him, he needs to do something to make people not look at his face. Like this looks like a blobfish. Yeah, it looks horrendous. <laughs> uh, back to back to Darwin's football as opposed to his hair. Um, I, I am I, what I was looking for today. Um, was I just really felt there was an opportunity for him to go out and 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 to just kick on a little bit, you know what I mean? I, he needs to fill his boots. Mm. He's gone. Is it, is it six games now? He's not scored for us. And even though I I do think I've said it before, I think we're saying it before the game. I think his game looks dramatically better than it did last season. His all round game and and he looks a more cohesive part of the of you know the whole the whole team. He looks like he has a role that he that he understands. But there's got to be goals there. And you know, I, it, so obviously today's come and gone. He's not scored. Going to Chef Chef United on uh, Wednesday. He's got to fill his boots. Yeah, I agree. because I feel like if he gets if he gets a couple, gets two or three, he could really go on a run. But if he doesn't, it can go, it's going to go the other way. Mm. And I think we we just need to start. We've got to stop talking about him in terms of potential and all the good things he's doing, and start actually seeing the goals like in numbers. We've seen. I've seen everything I want to see from him in terms of quality, but I just want to see the numbers of goals because we know he's got it in him. You know, we saw what he did at Benfica in his second season. He's got big numbers of goals in him. He did it in the Champions League. It's not about levels. It's about just adjusting where he's at. I don't know psychologically. It's not. I wouldn't even say it's confidence. It's not about confidence. It's about decision making. Maybe there's a bit of pressure in the mix. Um, I said, do you know what? I mean, it's not. This isn't comparable at all in some senses. But I mentioned. It really because I just think it's indicative of what top sports people can do. I think I know Dave, you've seen it. Dan and Dan, I know you haven't because you can't stand Roy Keane. Chris, I'm not sure if you've seen uh, the Gary Neville um, stick to football thing with Ronnie O'Sullivan. Um, it's oh, absolutely fantastic. I haven't seen it yet. It's it. I, I'd recommend anybody to watch it. It's fantastic. Even if you don't watch snooker, I'm not a big snooker fan, but I, I think you've got to be a Ronnie O'Sullivan fan because he's amazing. Like, but if you like sport at all. Listening to him talk about what he's done, um, the demons that he's had to deal with, how he's changed himself personally, he's changed, but changed himself as a sportsman was the key thing for me. So he's done some work with um, Steve Peters, um, but he also did some technical work. He did some stuff with Ray Reardon, and then he also went away with a guy who he named and I hadn't heard of him. And he totally took like a year out and totally completely rebuilt his entire game. Darwin's not of... taking a year out to learn finishing. No, d- hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Clearly that's not applicable in football. You can't do exactly <laughs> the same thing. But the attitude that I like there from someone who's like by any any definition, 
you know, the best the best there's ever been in that sport, is that he doesn't think he's the finished article. So he's no leaving no stone unturned in order to make himself better. And Darwin has got to be, I think, the club have got to be with Darwin, but I want to see it from himself as well, looking at ways to make himself what he should be, which is an absolute fucking prolific goal-scoring monster, because everything's there. I look at him, I think everything's there, apart from the goals in numbers. The quality of goals are there. He's got the power. He's got the touch. He's got the pace. He's got the strength. He's got the awareness of other players. All the ingredients that you want to be a world-class elite centre-forward are there. And it's not that he's shit. He's not shit. He's good. He's playing well. But I, I want him to be elite. I want him to be right up there, absolutely fucking laying down markers with the best in the world. And, and for me, there is something that's not quite right with him. And they need to be looking at it. It's not just a bad run of form. It's not just bad luck. You know, there's something that's not quite there. And I hope they are. I hope that his attitude and the club's is leave leave no stone unturned because he could be absolutely ridiculous player, and he isn't at the moment. He's just really good. Can I make a point about the mischance when he hit the crossbar? Yeah, go on. Because <laughs> he went for permission. I'm a polite person, Paul. You're a gentleman. Come on. <laughs> Next Spit time you ask a question like that, I am going to say no just to see what happens. <laughs> objection. Objection sustained. Um, I am actually just just want to point out. I, I when when you said Chris that it was a, a perfect through ball from Mo, I actually thought he hit it slightly ahead of him and he needed to adjust his run ever so slightly and that might have caused the miss. Um, but it wasn't a terrible ball so by we're Mo. Blaming Mo. It could have been we're blaming Mo for that. All right, all right. All right. Stu I know Stu you've Monty. gone the full Stu Monty there blaming Mo for it, but now I can get on board if you're defending Darwin. Dan, I'm with you. Dan, do you not what you what you think about the points I was making? Do you think there is something there that's just I'm not even necessarily thinking a confidence thing, but a focus thing or something. I, there, there, there seems to be some sort of unseen barrier there, really. Because don't you think he should be getting goals in, in big numbers when you look at all his attributes and the team that he's playing in? Absolutely, because there's a very, very serious footballer there. Yeah, there we is. Just, we just need to find how to make him consistent because that, 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 that's it, isn't it? it? It's a lack of consistency. For, for, for me, there's no lack of ability. There's, there is a lack of consistency. So yeah. the performances are consistent. It's just a, yeah, no, yeah, the finishing, isn't it? Yeah. But he's yeah. finishing, consistency. Dave. You know yeah. what you're getting from him, like week in, week out. Now you're not it's purely the finishing. That's the mm. issue. I'm not worried, as I say. I think that's come. why it's frustrating. I think because we, we've seen we've seen week in, week out that he is putting it all together, and it's just sort of like a birthday cake without any candles on at the moment. Like we really. Really need to add those like the literal finishing touches, and we're all going to be just absolutely buzzing off it. And I think we're a little bit, not so much anxious, but just keen to see that manifest uh, as early as possible. But all the other signs are, all the other signs are really, really good. So you know, maybe a little bit of patience, um, and maybe it clicks on Wednesday night. So I said to you boys last night that I think he needs like a hat trick or something. Yeah. Like he needs a game where just everything goes in for him, apart you know yeah. where stuff just isn't blocked or hits the bar or 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 he has Definitely. one bad miss, as was the case today. And if that happens, then maybe that'll be the key for him to open the floodgates, rather than it just being something that happens without some sort of instigating Trigger. event like a big a big game that triggers it. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, I agree with that. <sighs> yeah, I agree yeah. with that, Chris. I think that's spot on. Sheffield United, uh, but, but that could be the one. It needs to happen, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And they've already conceded eight at home this season, and they conceded five away yesterday. So, I mean, there's not going to be many opportunities in a Premier League game to to fill your boots, you'd yeah. think. Get a um, couple of early goals. But, so that's when it'll, yeah. the floodgates what's, what's the bet in Jürgen puts him on the bench now or just something mad well it's, it's possible because <laughs> he is going to rotate you know and I thought like I thought Gakpo looked lively when he came on today that shot that Gakpo yeah. hit by the way in the, the lead up to one of the Fierce, goals wasn't it? fucking yeah. hell the power that he got in that from like Absolutely no back lift and from a ridiculous angle as well that was like that was an unbelievable shot but we scored I think it was that was it was it was it Endo's goal or was it Trent? That it like directly led to one of those goals. It was Trent. It was Trent. <clears throat> yeah, but that was a ridiculous shot. He made a difference when he came on today. Yeah, he just gave. Endo's was the one where well, um, moved it well. Mm-hmm. Endo's was the one where Canati hit it forward. Darwin nodded it down to Mo. That's right. Yeah, and Mo rolled it back to yeah. the ed- edge of the area. Mm-hmm. Darwin actually did really well for both of the, the the last two goals. Like that that knockdown was perfect, and then he did really well to. To sort of fish hook the ball back across the box, yeah. um, which Challenge eventually ended post, up with, with Trent's goal as well. So. Yeah, yeah. So, Costas yeah. did well on that as well because he wasn't like winning the header cleanly, but he made a good challenge and was able to direct it backwards. If he doesn't challenge that ball, well. we don't score. If he if he doesn't make that challenge, the goal doesn't come. So I thought yeah. Costas had a really yeah. good game today, by the way. Me too. Me too. The yeah, only agreed. only criticism I have of Costas. I feel like he's too slow going out to, to block crosses. I don't think like he puts in enough pressure on he doesn't he doesn't sprint out to block the cross. And it happens all the time, which tells me that that's probably how he's coached. Like that maybe ties the, into what I was saying before yeah, about not, the other side. Not wanting him to overcommit in case like he's not got help behind him. It's like take your time, wait till you've got support. Uh, but I do often think he's like he's too slow coming out to block crosses. But he, he was really good today. He's in good form at the moment. He's he's bounced back yeah. really well. He's still quicker at going out to crosses than Glenn Johnson. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> he's the he's the poster boy for not doing it, wasn't he? Yep. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, but I think we're all we're all happy to see not not just because we're actually really going to need him for the next couple of months, but we're all really happy to see Costas playing well again um, because we all just everybody just loves him, yeah, right? Everybody course, really really yeah. loves him, likes him, and um, you and know, he's like, a good player when he's on form, isn't he? Bad mm-hmm. form has been, yeah. And you can tell that the bad form had been weighing on him as well. So um, that black eye, he might have given that to himself. He might have been like <laughs> beating up on himself because he was like, it's just it, it's, his form was upsetting him so much because he cares that much. <laughs> now I love oh, Costas. Man. I absolutely love him. Made up. He's playing well again. Dan, you said that you thought the substitutions made us worse. Yeah, I, I think when when we made that the, those changes when Dom went off. I thought Dom was starting to take control of the game. I thought he was getting forward well. He was getting into that right wide right channel well. And I think he was generally looking like he might make something happen. And then it seemed that when he went off, we kind of lost momentum. You linked it to Darwin falling on his arse and losing momentum that way. And it was around about the same time, wasn't it? Um, I, I thought we had Fulham right where we wanted them and Sobersly was integral to that. And then he goes off just when he's properly getting on top of midfield and I, I thought it, it kind of made us worse. That was just Maybe it's just me who thought that, but I, I thought it was a, a, the wrong time to set Sobersly off. I agree with that, Dan, but I also want to say the thing that like I found strange was when we brought Joe Gomez on and then Adam playing like 
the inverted role. I thought he was just going to come on, stay wide, get up and down the line, let Trent go into midfield. And Gomez is like popping up central quite a bit as well, which yeah. he's done in in the Europa League games as well. And he's he's actually done all right at it. He's, he's, he's good at yeah, it. I'm not more than all right. I think he does it well. Yeah, but I, I just I don't not really see the point in like in why we did that. You know, I, bringing him on, I would have just happily had him just stay out wide, give us that width. Um, and I, I don't think the substitutions particularly improved us. Uh, until like the last five minutes, obviously when it's paid off. Obviously Enzo's a good substitution. Uh, that worked really well, but I don't know how Gravenberg stayed on as long as he did. No, I, yeah. I said to I John, I was like, I'd have took him off twenty minutes before he actually did get taken off. Because uh, I think that gave struggling for Harvey as well. Yeah, I said that to John as well. I said, you know, yeah. Harvey coming on. I mean. The way Harvey can lift the crowd as yeah, well, you know, get the, the tempo up, just, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, lift the tempo of the game. It would have made sense to bring him on. I thought it was a bit strange he didn't get on. Uh, but all's well that ends well. We've won the game and one of the substitutes has come on and scored. So I suppose like, you can say that that's a win for Klopp, really. Uh, but Enzo, I'm just I'm so made up for him, you know. It was yeah, such brilliant. a fucking yeah. boss finish as well. Absolute quality. I just finish. I see a picture of him on Instagram now, and he's like he stood in front of the the club badge at Anfield, and he's got a great Aww. big grin on his face. Yeah, it's lovely. I'll the difference the there, uh, Endo in that situation and Hendo in that situation, it'd have been fucking back row with a cop. <laughs> How many Endo times have we seen that? That side foot when he runs onto it on the edge of the box, side foot, and it's like back row with a cop. The way Hendo was playing last season, he wouldn't have even got there in the first place. Yeah. He'd be blowing chunks about ten yards deeper. <laughs> Fucking hell! Nah, he, he, he would have stuck it. He would have stuck it, like that ball to the back post where he just stands her up. That's what Hendo would have done. He wouldn't have shot. He would have just put stitch, like stood it up to the back post. Yeah, yeah. Dan, stop being sensible. Mm-hmm. with shitting on Hendo here. Come it's on. It's so mad the way like we we've just got this hostility <laughs> for him now. We all love him. That's like fuck Hendo. Well, he shit on his legacy, didn't yeah. he? You know what I mean? Prick. Yeah. It's I interesting. Ending, go ahead, Dan. I was going to say it, it's interesting that the Endo doesn't spend a lot of time on the field, but he's already scored twice now because he scored in the Europa League, didn't he, against Toulouse? Mm-hmm. So it might be something to watch out for. That you know whether he's going to be a regular contributor when he plays. I would hope. I so. think he did in Germany, didn't he? But it was more headers. He was really good with his head. I think he scored quite goal, a lot from corners. In the goal he scored for, against Toulouse was a header as well, if you remember. So yeah, it was a yeah. great it's, header. It was a brilliant it header. Was, and today was a brilliant finish as well. Maybe he could he could give Darwin some tips, and you know they can work together in steady uh, in training. Order. <laughs> Slander. Okay. Um, so yeah, we've already talked about the the goal that we conceded, um, but. What a massive shock to the system that was for us, man! Like all of a sudden, we're, we're you know we're pushing for this, we're pushing for this winner uh, that we you know a draw looks like a really shit result for us considering Arsenal won yesterday and we haven't lost at home or really dropped points at home that much in the last year or so. So it goes from oh man, we need to get this winner to shit. We might actually lose this game and there's like you know ten minutes to go to rescue it. Um, yeah, a real shock to the system, but we responded really well, I thought, to going behind. And um, yeah, it was just kind of an, an onslaught, really, in the in the last 10 minutes or so, and we got our rewards eventually. But um, it's just quite quite the moment there, that, that just two-minute spell where, where Endo curls one in the top corner, great finish, and it doesn't even feel like the game has even restarted yet before uh, Trent just shows that like 
lovely bit of composure and really just fucking drills it into the corner. No chance for the keeper whatsoever. And um, yeah, all of a sudden we're in absolute dreamland, Paul. Yeah, it went off in the cup. Like it went really went off. It was great, fucking brilliant. So we haven't had many. We haven't had. I, I felt like to me, you know, go back a couple of years. It felt like we used to have those moments like almost every week. You know what I mean? Where there was like big goals, really exciting games, big moments, great, uh, big celebrations. And it feels like we haven't had too many of them. And it just that 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 was a big moment. That was a really big moment today. And I wonder if it'll just. I wonder if it'll be one that that kind of like comes to be seen on a bigger scale really as the season plays out uh, but certainly it just it was it was the lift everyone needed you know just those the way you were talking there Chris about you know the two girls almost seeing them as a almost connected really because they were so close to each other mm-hmm. the, something happened and I'm not 100% clear what it was Dan you might know because you were sitting over that side there was the, the crowd got going about it was so flat and about three or four minutes it was not long before the endo equaliser Um. Was there a decision that we didn't get? There was something. And then ev- the crowd just got really pissed off. And then everyone just started chanting. Only about two or three minutes before Endo's goal. But it just lifted the tempo. It lifted the team. But it was something quite innocuous which, which, which stirred it. I think it was, was there a challenge for the ball that went, looked like it had gone out of play and didn't go or something like that over by the King yeah, Kenny? Yeah, uh, that right, that's yeah. it. And it, but it just it was like a sense of, and it was it was kind of, it was a bit trivial really. But there was almost like a sense of injustice from everybody. Suddenly the temper, suddenly the noise of the crowd went up all the way around the ground, and everyone got started singing. And then Endo's equaliser came. What three or four minutes after that? And as you said, Chris, it almost felt like almost like this an, an extend an extension of that first goal when Trent got the second because it just came immediately afterwards. I mean, it was really enjoyable. Like, I love the way he went into the corner, slid in, and all the fans piled forward down in the bottom corner of the cop. Love all that. Mm-hmm. I think I've got a great spec in the cop, but the one thing I would love to experience is to be down there when one of those big goals goes in. It must be something else when uh, the players right in amongst the fans like that. It looked fantastic. It was yeah. brilliant. I had that for my favourite ever Anfield goal, the Neil Meller against Arsenal. I was in the front row for that. And it oh, yeah, yeah. Like, it was right, right to where I was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. I but didn't know the, you were the, the on the front row that, that day. Just, yeah, yeah. Um, but the thing about being in the front row of the cop is you've got just a terrible perspective of the game. Like people are on the halfway line, you know, yelling shoot and stuff yeah. like this. So, like you just yeah. you haven't got a clue what's going on. So I'll I'll take my forty eight rows back any day of the week over being at the very front. Yeah. Um, Dan, you said it went off in the in the upper Kenny as well. Were there some blankets and flasks flying around the place? Absolutely. Someone even spilt the uh, the hot chocolate, Chris. <laughs> Was it you, Dan? No, I, 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 w- I wouldn't pay those prices for a hot chocolate, Dave. No, you take your own flask in. <laughs> yeah. I'm not made of money. Um, no, it, it, it's, it, it's... We don't, as, as we kind of alluded to, we don't get moments like that very often and when they come along, enjoy them, but it, it came out of nowhere. Really, like we turned the game around so quickly. I, I, I like the idea of what we're saying as, a, as an extension. You know, like the second goal was an extension of the first one. And, you know, it, it was. It just popped off, didn't it? It's just it's great when when that happens. Out of nowhere, the captains, you know, like the captain, the local lads scores the winner, um, and did you thinking to yourself, there's still time for us to screw this up here as well. The linesman on the main stand side decided to then have a nightmare and give everything 
conceivable that he could against us. Um, I'm surprised you've not mentioned that, Dave. I thought you'd have been all over him because I thought he was absolutely unreally bad in that last like 15 minutes. I didn't really notice. I noticed in the first half, like he um, he flagged for like the uh, he flagged for offside on the goal, and he was wrong. And it's really unusual that that they're wrong, especially because it was, it was so, a late flag as well. Yeah, it, it was. But it it looked as though something got said in his earpiece, and then mm. and then he put the flag up. But I think they may have been. He might not have been sure if it had come off one of our players or theirs. And the refs maybe said it's it's the Fulham player. And then he's gone, okay, and he's put his flag up because he thought he was offside. But um, I didn't think he was that bad, to be honest. I don't, but you've always got to have... He couldn't moan at the ref today, Dan, so you've obviously just picked on the linesman. The ref was, like, surprisingly competent, considering it was Stuart Atwell, who's known for being just probably, like, the shittest ref in the league. He forgot his cards, like, but, yeah... Uh, I like that, th- though. I didn't think there was anything worthy of a yellow card. You know, there's some that could have been given as a yellow but I'm glad he didn't. I, I much prefer that because once you start giving out yellow cards, you're putting yourself in a in a really difficult spot. Then where when they commit another foul, there's suddenly pressure on you to pull out a second yellow, and then before you know it, you're sending players off. I'd much prefer like that style of refereeing today, where he just had no interest in in pulling out cards. So I, yeah, I thought he's he's had a good game, and he's widely regarded as one of the worst referees. So fair play to him. Yeah, that's 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 fair. Although I, I do think that that Leno was allowed to get away with too much time wasting. He should have been booked after about thirty minutes. To be perfectly honest, they don't do it now, though, do they? Mate, they're just throwing the time on the end, which is shit, because they just allow them to break the flow of the game. But they don't seem to book people for time wasting now. I thought he was quite clever in the way he went about his time wasting. The the obvious thing where like they always get booked is when they bring the defenders short as though they're going to take a short goal kick and then they change their mind and they wave them away and then you've got to wait for the defenders to move up the pitch. He wasn't doing that. He was bringing them short and then when he like was like, no, I'm not doing it, he was kicking it long while the defenders were still in the box. He wasn't like waiting ages for them to get up the pitch and I think that's why he probably didn't get booked because he didn't take the piss. He wasted just enough time that he could get away with without taking the piss. Mm-hmm. So I thought he was quite clever in the way he'd done it. And like the in the first half, I mean I'm assuming because like he had that like bandage on his head, so he must have had like a cut head in the incident when we had a goal disallowed. Yes, that's right. Now if that's an outfield player, he's got to go off to get treatment. But because it's a goalkeeper, you can't really do that because they've got to put an outfielder in goal. Which is why we're ending up like waiting around for like five, six minutes, whatever it was, for him to get treated. So I think that's fair enough because it's a goalkeeper. But outfielders are judged differently, aren't they? If it was a centre back who got like a head injury, cut head or whatever, it'd be like, yeah, dressing room, get yourself stitched up, come back out. But because it's a goalkeeper, you've just got to stop the game in that. So he was responsible for pretty much all of the added time. But I don't think we can blame the first half added time on him, like because he was legitimately injured. Yeah, you could have done the old Yossi Askelainen trick, Dave, of moving oh. the ball from the right-hand side of the six-yard box for the goal kick to the left-hand side of the box for the goal kick. I hated that bastard. Scruffy Askelainen. Yeah. I hated him. <laughs> Put him with that yeah, like Dean Kylie twat at Charlton, them two. Oh, man. Dean Kylie. Oh, they're the worst. Ne- never applaud to do that thing where they... Hey, when the keepers do that thing as well, where um, they... Um, They've got the two fullbacks like standing in just outside the six yard box as if he's going to pass short. And after about a minute, he'll wave them up 
and then he'll take like another fucking mm. 30 seconds before just hoofing it upfield. But I thought that... I, d- I did think that his time-wasting sort of um, came back to haunt them a little bit because every time he sort of launched it forward, he just kind of chipped it to Virgil and Virgil would either br- bring... Or Virgil or Canate, other one would just bring it down or head it and we'd be back on the attack again. I don't think they were very smart with the way they handled that because I think it kind of hurt them more than anything in in the long run. But, yeah, they couldn't get um, out, could they? Yeah. No. <laughs> but, um, yeah... It- it's just crazy that we we, we had this we scored these four goals. I'm looking at a, a post on the BBC website right now, and Jurgen after the game said, "I don't think I ever saw a game with this amount of uh, beautiful goals." And the piece closes with, um, and this kind of goes back to what you were saying about how it was almost like weekend ruined, but ended up being like weekend dramatically added to uh, an outstanding experience for everybody who was here added Klopp I don't think anyone would have thought before the game that Liverpool versus Fulham will be a game that you never forget in your life but you're welcome <laughs> which is really nice he but actually, yeah that's kind I, of I'd, how I, I look at it as well seen the video of it and I read the quote and then I seen the video and he doesn't say you're welcome he does that thing where he just goes welcome like Mr Miyagi <laughs> he doesn't say you're welcome he just nods and goes welcome <laughs> It's boss. Nice. Um, Paul, do you have anything else that you want to add about the game today? Matter to Joel, or... yeah, I wanted to talk yeah, about Joel. He, he, he kind of like, he, he sort of like stopped and, and like looked very uncertain and then actually put himself on the floor and waved his arm in a way that he looked like he was in quite a lot of pain. Somebody next to me said it looked like he twisted his knee out by the out of this yeah. out by the touchline. He has a really awkward um, fall, but this, as soon as he done it, even before that bit, Paul, when he went down, as soon as he done it, he looked at the bench and he signalled to them straight away. He was like wagging his finger, going, "No, get the subs ready," and then he, he he hobbled back on the pitch, and that's when he went down. But he'd already said to them like he knew immediately. He knew like his knee had gone, and that's why Klopp said afterwards, it, "It's not going to be a short one." You see, oh, as he said that. Yeah, he didn't you see, for specify. For me, for me, this won't be a This comes one. back again to my to my point about what wanted another centre half, and I think we will have to do it now in January because otherwise we're just taking unnecessary risks. You know, I think Kwanzaa has absolutely made the case that he, he is is a very viable option now as our what fourth, fifth, fifth choice. Well, he'd be four if if Matip's out. If, if Matip's out, yeah, yeah, but there's no way open now, Paul. Not till late March. So that makes it a lot easier if Joel is out. We're not having to navigate like playing Europa League matches on a Thursday and, and having to play. Well, we've got the and, FA Cup, we've got the League Cup. You know, I just think the games are there. Wow. I just think we shouldn't, we shouldn't take, we shouldn't take the risk. And we need, I still say again, we need. I think we need another left-footed defender. We need someone who's left-footed back. So I just, I think it's something we should look at. I just think we've been, we've been burnt a couple of times in the past where we've not done business. When we could have done business, and we were looking clearly, we are looking for that sort of player. Yeah, you know, there was the dalliance with Colwell, and um, you know, there's the, the Nassio rumours of started up again. Van der Ven, yes, and I just think we need to move forward and get that business done. You know, because the we know the money's there because the scale of the bids that we were making for sixes that didn't materialise. So let's not just take a risk when it looks like this. I mean, I guess we do need to talk Chris in a second when we move on from the game about the league table. But this looks like a season where who knows what's going to happen. Now, how gutting would it be if injuries end up costing us because we try to be clever and wait six months longer for the sake of saving a couple of million quid 
rather than get the business done now. I, I definitely think we need to do something about it. And I'm, I'm gutted for Joel, really, because I think, I think he's been great recently and it looked like he played himself back into first choice again in the, in the big games. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I, 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 what I hope is that it's, it's just, this isn't just like his Liverpool career completely fizzles out now. You know, what, what's the worry? Is, is, that, is that the last time we'll see him kick a ball for Liverpool today? Well, be gutted if that's the case. He deserves better than that. Depends what one it is, doesn't it? If it's like ACL, then that's the season done. It could just be and one of those, Liverpool which is like done. a, a six-week yeah. one. It could be something like that. We just have to wait for the scans, I suppose. I'd be absolutely gutted if that's Joel done, because yeah. he deserves he deserves to go out far better than that. Like. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's no, con- there's no contact ones. They're just the worst, though, aren't they? Like... Oh, I really hope that's not the case. Yeah. So I would mm. put a real diner on everything. But um, yeah, let's just Agreed. kind of sort of like positive thoughts and, and hopefully it's not as bad as it seems that it might be. Um, yeah, so let's talk about the league table then. Why not? We are in second place thanks to uh, Tottenham getting a point at Manchester City. Um, Dave, you and I were in the car on the way to the ground today and TalkSport were talk sport was on. We were, we were bemoaning the fact that it was all about gambling. But Spurs were 9-1 to one to win at City. And considering... They have such a great record there. I thought that was, you know, quite a pretty good price, really. And yeah. it turned out, you know, obviously they didn't win, but they came, you know, came from behind late on and and, and got an equaliser and, and did us a huge favour then because we've been saying for a long time that we don't want to get ourselves behind City. Not losing last week was huge. Them dropping points today on a day where we scored two goals in the last three minutes also feels quite significant. Yeah, and. That's three games in a row where City have dropped points. And although like you still got it in your head, oh well yeah, they can reel off like fifteen wins or whatever. Usually like they always have games early in the season where they drop points. It happens every, every year. But usually if they drop points in a game, the next few games they don't slip up and then they might drop some more. For them to go like three games in a row and okay, not not easy games. They've they played us, they played Tottenham and Chelsea was the other one. So they're not like, you know, they're not playing Burnley or someone like that. But even so, it's Man City and they don't usually drop pointing like consecutive games, never mind three games on the bounce. And like that one today, they come, they, they concede early, then they come back, they've got the lead. You don't expect them to, like twice they gave away the lead, didn't they? And you just don't expect that from them at all. But they do look a bit more vulnerable. Um, I t- tell you what's mad though. Did you see the quotes from that fucking Ruben Diaz? No. He, he, he said after the game, he went, um, "It's it's difficult for us, like talking about the game today, like to take the result. The same feeling as after Liverpool, a game we could have won by four or five, but in the end, small margins and these things can happen." I'm like, what? You, what? You, you could have beat us by four or five. What the fuck? What what, what kind of delusion is that? That's just... He must be. That's he, bizarre. He, he, the the, the uh, yeah. Wait till Darwin sees that. He'll be fucking fuming. <laughs> <laughs> That's his mate the, though, isn't it? They played at Benfica together. He's he's mates with Diaz. Probably not after that though. <laughs> the whole table's really quite tightened up at the top, hasn't it? Like there's a load of clubs all really close to each other. I mean, this I I can't remember. We're going back years since this 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 stage. The league table looks as tight as this when no one's really pulled away. Mm. I mean, there's what? The top four are separated by four points. And then you've got Spurs, one place back, six points below. Newcastle, another one. You know, so you've got the top the top six teams separated by seven points. I mean, that's 
that's uh, that's unprecedented, really, in the city era. I think from memory, isn't it? Yeah. Has that happened in the ta- in the time since Guardiola's been at City? I can't think that it has. It's only been it. it's only been them pulling away or them and us. Yeah. At least we've put some some daylight between us and Man United now. The informed team in the Premier League. City are away at Villa as well midweek. Are they away at Villa? Are they? That's yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. On that. Yeah. Villa drew yeah, exactly. Bournemouth today. Because you you just know Emery will have a plan ready for that game. He'll have seen these these drop points from City and he'll have he'll have a plan set up. They they can be quite brave on the front foot and they've got real pace in behind well, as well. That's what you need against City. If you've got Definitely. pace and you can play on the yeah. break, you can hear them. Definitely. Definitely. It's looking interesting, that league table, yeah. Really interesting. I mean, obviously, I think the Arsenal game is starting to look huge now, isn't it? Mm. And we got them in the cup as well. Yeah. That's shit, that. Yeah. yeah Last game before we go into the uh, into the mid-season break, isn't it? That one, I think. Mm. That, that just means we can go full strength for that game. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, they are starting to worry me a little bit in terms of the the title. I think they look a lot more resolute Definitely. than they have done. They grind out that win at the weekend. They've grind out a bunch of wins. They're kind of a bit similar to us, really. They've been picking up wins without necessarily hitting top form. I'd like yeah. to start seeing them drop a few more points, and you know, you get the sense that they're going to be itching to go one better this year, and they'll they'll have that momentum on their side. And they, you know, they've improved in a couple of key areas. So. Um, and I wouldn't be that. I wouldn't be that sort of hopeful that they're gonna suffer a big drop off, in the way that they did last year, and things just got a bit too much for them, and the games are coming thick and fast, and the the light squad really caught up with them. But, you know, we'll see. I'm happy with where we're at. Dan, what about you? How are you viewing things? Are cautiously optimistic, or, you know, not quite ready to commit any hope to this potential title challenge yet? Well, I mean, it was me who was shouting from the rooftops at the start of the podcast that we're in a title race, and, and we are. You said we're I in think, a title race. You didn't say how we, you felt about it. I <coughs> will get back to you after the run of games we have at Christmas. A, a lot of those games are at Anfield, which is, is helpful. But obviously, we're very, very strong at home. Um, Arsenal are, I'm afraid, a, a, a serious football team. They're not going away. Yeah. City a city, you know, they'll be there or thereabouts. If they're not, they'll spend five hundred billion in January just to make sure. Um Newcastle are getting a bit of a run of form, but the the table is looking pretty damn rosy for us at the moment. And I don't like to, to say credit to Villa, but credit to Villa they're they're hanging around as well, they're not going anywhere. They drop points today they'll feel but um you know, I, I'm hoping that they can do us a favour in midweek because I would say Dan, that, Dan. that it's a I live I know, my life I by know, the motto, never rely on Aston Villa. Don't ne- never rely on Aston Villa. Don't get your hopes up. Yeah, never rely on Aston, on Aston Villa. Never rely on Everton and never rely on Tottenham Hotspur is what I've kind of come to expect over time. And ne- um, never trust a man in white jeans. That's another one. <laughs> <laughs> so, Why are we talking yeah, about white jeans over this weekend? White jeans and a black leather jacket. That's I mean, what were we saying about that over the weekend? Who was that? That's what I was saying. Like um, John B. It said like never trust a man in white jeans. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> the, the, the the way I see it, it like, we kind of. I remember the last time I was on the on this podcast, we were talking about our runner games, and we was licking our lips at playing Luton away, um, and we we screwed up. We we can't do that on Wednesday. We need we need to go and beat Sheffield we United on Wednesday. Today. Yeah, well, exactly that. Yeah, it was on so, the other night. He was I on with? It was John, wasn't it? It was John B. And I, and I was like, yeah. 
no, don't don't start like counting these points before we've got them. Uh, but I wasn't necessarily thinking about today being in jeopardy. I was thinking more of the away games. But now you you can't take any of that for granted, no matter no, you who can't. the shit teams are. Yep. So let, so the, the way I'd say it is let's take it one game at a time. That's a very negative and typical me thing to say, to be honest. But let's get Sheffield United and Crystal Palace dispatched first and then we can start turning our attention to a couple of massive home games. Because the Newcastle game will be a big one as well on New Year's Day, but that's that's some way off yet. There's a lot of football to be played until then. Mm-hmm. And obviously we've got United. We know that um, led by the, the juggling clown in goal, they are not the team that the league position suggests. They've got... That so, somehow they're like seven points behind us it should be a lot more than that but it's a, it's a United game and as I always say to you boys if United are dead kill them again just to make sure hmm. well we killed them last year so let's kill them again I would take another 7 <laughs> no, it went off that day as well yeah. uh, that was that was dreamland to me and I didn't have people in my ear going you're not a drunk lol like I did for the 5-0 in the po- on this particular podcast so yeah. <laughs> You're not holding the grudge there, Dan. All not right, at all. Um, Would I do stuff. such a thing? Uh, Paul, I mean, you're famously hyper optimistic. Like, how are you feeling about everything right now? I, I'm, I'm still pretty much where I've been all season. Is that I think uh, I was saying second, um, and I. I've seen nothing to make me think we'll finish below second. The league table is now, and City's form in particular, is now giving me pause for thought. Because I think if we're going if we're going for it against Arsenal, that's a totally different proposition to going for it against City. Now that presupposes that City will fall completely away, and I don't think they will. But this there is it's I think it's pretty clear this is not the city that we thought it would be. This is not, at the moment, the city, the treble winners. And even if they sort of turn things around from this point, they've already dropped way more points than I ever expected them to. This tells me that it's it's, it's something more. So I think, I do want to see, I want to see where we are when we have the mid-season break. I want to see how we do over this run of games. I think this run of games that we've got coming up is really, is really key. Um, I think this could be a real big period of the year for us, the season for us, and I think Klopp thinks exactly the same. Um, I, I I think I'll if I'm prepared to revise my predictions upwards, it'll be if this this these next sort of five or six games go as well as I think they've got definite potential to go because we have got potential to really put a stamp on the on the uh, on our season over the next few games. I think that that Arsenal game just stands out to me, but the Newcastle game is is a big one. I think I mean I take what Dan said, I take Dan's points about the Manx, but I, if we're not beating them at Anfield, I think there's something wrong because they're absolutely fucking shit. Mm-hmm. They are shit, and they are ripe for us to absolutely batter. The one thing that comes back, I was thinking before. <clears throat> excuse me, when I think I think it was you, Chris, talking about how Arsenal look far more resolute, and I totally agree with that. Um, our defending is actually on the quiet, decent. I don't think people are, are noticing that we've got the like the, the joint second best defense in the league. Um, have we but, after today? Yeah, we but, still have. Okay. Yeah, we have. Yeah, but the thing, the thing for me um, is that I, I felt this. I think I said this very early on. I wonder if the five forwards could be decisive. You know, and I think the fact that we've got such variety up front and we've got so many people who are contributing goals, I'm starting to wonder if that could be the decisive factor. Because it looks to me like what City, City the opposite. City have got one person who can score goals reliably for them, and they're struggling when he's not firing. 
Um, and they're not spreading the goals around, and they 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 seem to be open at the back and conceding there. So and Arsenal the same. Arsenal are not really. Um, Although they're not far behind us in terms of goals scored, but I don't think Arsenal are playing free-flowing attacking football. So I just wonder if our five forwards could be the difference. But I, I want—I just want to get to the end of this period. I want to get go into that winter break, that little two-week winter break, and see where we are then. Because there's, you know, I I do expect us to put the um, the, the smaller teams, you know, Palace and Sheffield United. We've got to be beating them, I think, away from home. Um, not saying they'll be easy at all, but we have got to be taking those points. And then it comes down to the three big home games. Against uh, the Manx, that's that's the next home game, isn't it? Against the Manx, mm. then we've got Arsenal, yeah. and then we've got Newcastle. So c- come back to me at that stage, Chris. But certainly at the moment, I'm feeling very positive. And and the, the the one thing I've been consistent about saying is that I just think no, we could no one could really expect us to be doing as well as we're doing. I thought it would be, it would emerge more slowly over the season. You know, we've got up to this point and we've we've hung around there, haven't we? We're not going away, are we? No. No. Dave, you want to bring us home by talking a little bit about um, Sheffield United? Do you yeah. pick how you expect it to go? And I think they're probably the worst team in the league right now. Um, well, I mean, they've just got battered by Burnley, who were the worst team. Mm-hmm. Um, they just look like they started the season and they were like totally overmatched. You know, they'd punched above the weight to even get it yet, but they came up and they were having a go and they were tough to beat. They almost got a point against City. They were really unlucky. Um, and they, they were a tough team to play against. You know, No one was battering them. And then Newcastle battered them. And it's like, ever since then, it was like reality had just hit home with them. And, and it's like, they just know. The players are like, yeah, you know, we're, we're totally overmatched. We can't really compete. And I think like they've just lost a little, little bit of the, the fire that they had in, in the opening games. And it's a game that, like, I mean, level pars, probably 4-0. Above that, yeah, we're, we're we're doing well. Less than that is like not great. You know, it's a game we should be winning easily because they, they are so bad at the moment. <coughs> They've got quite a few injuries as well. They sold the best player at the start of the season. Um, yeah, there's no excuse for not winning that game. You've got to win it, and you should win it handsomely, really. Um, what I wonder is because we've got Palace at twelve thirty, does Klopp like? go with like a weakened team for this one so we can be like full strength against Palace so not necessarily saying treat it like a, a Europa League game but you know along those lines where maybe you make a few changes for this one and then you've got like your your first 11 out for, for Saturday at Palace I think there's a chance that we'll see that we'll see some rotation you might see Harvey starting you might see Curtis come back in you might see Gakpo getting a start ahead of one of the front three, possibly Darwin, maybe, I don't know. Uh, so I think it's, it's possible we, we might see that, some changes for this one. Because if you're going to make changes for the game, this is the one to do it. I don't mind that, though. Those are the sorts of changes yeah, I, I think, think yeah, I think it's comfortable in making. Because Palace good players. is 12.30, so it makes yeah. sense to make the changes for this one. Because Palace Joe is Gomez the, comes the tougher in. game, yeah. But you're talking about good players there, you know, I've got yeah. no problem with any I'm of those players saying, starting. Like, field no, no, kids, I know you're yeah. not, I know you're not. I know you know. I just think psychologically, when you talk about talk about the fact that you're changing the team like that, and that you, you're making a judgment that maybe this is the you want the stronger team for the for the second game rather than the first one that's coming up, you you might sort of you know infer the in some way that that we're weakening ourselves. I think there'll still be a very strong team out there, mm-hmm. and those lads will do us proud. So yeah, I've got no problem with that. I'd be more than happy to see that. 
I just come back to Chris's point about Darwin and Darwin getting a hat trick. The sooner that happens, or the sooner Darwin gets a brace or gets a couple of goals, the better. Because I think he just he does need that like impetus to kick him on. Um, mm. That's my only thing. I want. I want. I just want. I think because I think we'll score loads against them. They've conceded nearly forty goals, haven't they? They've conceded thirty nine goals. They've only scored eleven. Yeah, that's terrible. Um, so I we've I think we've got to see it as an opportunity to really you know like rip them to shreds, really, really open up on them and, and use it as a way of playing, well, yeah, for me, Darwin, into 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 the goals. McBurney suspended as well because he got sent off, which is a good thing because I've been calling him like the worst player in the league. So <laughs> you know that's going to come yeah. back to bite me in the arse if he's playing, but he's not, he's suspended. So, uh, yeah, I don't have to worry about that. He is terrible, though. He's a fucking yard dog. Nice. All right. Anything else you guys want to add before we? Yeah, uh, we've we've we've, we've missed the, uh, we've weekend. missed a real big one. You know, we talked about what a great weekend it's been, but one of us has had an even better weekend, haven't they, Dan? Are you referring Tell to us. my uh, my winnings? We're talking about the the number yeah. the TLW's high roller. Come on, mate. Share your good news with everyone who's listening. <laughs> well, I, I actually had bookies. I actually had a, a footballing point to bring up, but yes, I had a five pound free bet and. Walked out with two hundred and ninety-three quid, which is why in the middle of the first song last night at the Coral, and you could hear me shouting three hundred quid and a copy of Girly World. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you're not made of money, and you can't afford the hot chocolate at Anfield. How much is the hot chocolate at Anfield? Fucking hell, three hundred and one pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Nice one though, mate. It's great to see those bookies getting yeah. stitched. Well then. Nice. Oh, th- thanks. Well, thanks. What, thanks. Your footballing point. Uh, yeah, the footballing point was, um, like, for the last twenty minutes, we had, we saw Trent at six and not the inverted fullback. Do we think that over this festive period we might stick Trent there a bit more whilst we like like rotate midfield because he's he's had a massive impact. We made that point at, at the top, didn't we? Well, Dave did about Trent making a massive impact on that match. Do we think that we, we might keep him around there for a bit or is that a, a one-off in the, the situation that we had today? Because that's where Gareth Southgate likes him for England, isn't it? I think we'll see it at least once, but not like a regular thing. I do think there'll be a game where he plays there. Maybe in not in these big games we've got coming up. Mm. but And he might I mean, not start it there. It could be like a sort of like... Might be yeah. t- like today where he gets moved there during the game. Yeah. It's a nice option to have, though, isn't mm-hmm. it? To, Very nice. To just push him forward a little bit. and I mean, it was incredibly effective today. So um, as we continue tweaking with him, the results continue to be good as well. So, you know, we can we can take heart from that, whatever the, the the final plan is or whether it remains a fluid situation. Like, it's it's all good. He's working out. And, you know, in the last couple of weeks, he has begun contributing contributing the the goals again that we, you know that he said that he likes to do and we were all wondering well you, yeah. you haven't really been doing it and like you know for all intents and purposes he got two great goals today um another a cracker last week as well so long may that continue and he's uh, fucking yeah, brilliant. whether it's for the he's, six he's backed it up he's backed up what he's world class he's absolutely yeah. fucking <clears throat> brilliant player we're lucky to yeah. have him he's sensational yeah, yeah. you can't fall yeah. over yeah. your words chris yeah, you, you can't fall over your words, Chris. That's a cur, 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 copyright problem with me. <laughs> hey, I'm t- like I'm tired, man. We've had we've had too much fun this weekend, I think. And we have, yeah. Um, yeah and you've got jet can't lag. Can't hang as well. like I used to anymore. I've got jet lag as well. Yeah, so it's um, 
yeah, it's it's gonna be match of the day and, and straight to bed to me. But to be honest, like lads, these like when I'm away in Florida in the states and I'm like watching the games on TV, and you know it, it's not sometimes it can be like a little bit of a lonely existence you know like you you don't really feel part of things and stuff and it's weekends like this that sort of really keeps me going during those periods and just brings me like so much happiness and stuff so yeah thanks for a cracking weekend guys it was it was fantastic and the reds really yeah, really went an extra mile today for us to win it at the end of the game so good stuff yeah, yeah. um Fucking brilliant. dave Agreed. you i think you and the boys are gonna take over on uh, on the midweek pod on wednesday night for sheffield united um thanks for everyone for tuning in today um, and until then we'll catch you soon well, the best word I can say but uh, we'll describe this was boom <laughs> 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 Ooh, what was this it was really good